Welcome to Pullin' Weeds, a podcast of the Carolinas GCSA. We'd like to remind you that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of those of the people on the podcast and do not reflect the views of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association or any of its sponsors. Hey everyone, this is Daryl Ewing, Chairman for Rounds for Research in the Carolinas. It's that time of year again, time to get your donations in for Rounds for Research. Last year, we as an association raised over $75,000, and this year we are aiming for significantly more. Since the program's inception in 2009, we have funded essential research projects at NC State and Clemson. So go to roundsforresearch.com and donate a round or two today. Don't delay. The auction starts April 24th. All right, everybody, welcome in another episode of uh, Pulling Weeds. Joined today with none other than Chase Kepley. Did I say that right? You said it right. Perfect. Chase, where are you in from today? Just outside of Charlotte, area called Lexington, North Carolina. Lexington, North Carolina. Okay. Um, before we get into the details of why you're here today, do we need to talk about how many states have a Lexington. Are you familiar? I'm familiar. It's very popular, and I want to say it's in the 20s, but I could be totally wrong. How many have you lived in? Just the one? Just the one. I've got two, <laughs> Kentucky <laughs> and South Carolina, Yeah, and not yours. So between us, we've lived in three Lexingtons. How about that? It's interesting. All right. Um, but anyways, who are you with? I'm with Xylem Tree Experts, uh, more specifically uh, Xylem Tree of Charlotte. Perfect. And um, I think one of the reasons we're here today, just to let our listeners know, is that um, Chase actually reached out to the podcast, right? Saw an opportunity, maybe? Yeah. Uh, just came across it one day, gave it a listen, and reached out to you, wanted to know how, how we could get involved, and uh, it went from there. So I would say to anybody listening out there, um, you know, you got the opportunity to be on the podcast. Give us a holler, you know? Um, today we're going to talk about some things that are both personal and professional because when we met and we had a chance to sit down and talk, um, he hit on some things that are near and dear to me personally, as well as, uh, professionally and, and that's the tree business. And so, but before we get into that, let's tell people a little bit about Chase, right? Like when we met, it was kind of a, it was neat to hear a little bit of the background. And I think one of the things about our business and one of the things about this podcast is that like people need people right like we've been talking about that since covid and so um it seems to me like you've already developed some good relationships here in the carolinas with some golf course superintendents and how um your company has kind of come into the fold and so i thought yeah what a great opportunity so let's start with you a little bit where where'd you grow up where were you born i I actually grew up in lexington north carolina um my dad was chief police uh he fought in his dad's footsteps who was uh also with Lexington Police Department, and uh, I lived a few other places for brief stints, but uh, found my way back. So can I imagine that growing up with the chief of police was very similar to maybe growing up with an Army colonel? I would say uh, my dad probably had a had a really good handle on separating work from home, so it, it was just dad for but the you, most part. But you couldn't get away with a lot in, in town. I was uh, – I, I felt – 
as if there were more than just one dad watching me. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All those times on a military post when I thought I was getting away with something, but the MP still have a blotter report that got through every morning. And so anyhow, no, I, I joke about that. And so um, you didn't want to follow in that line? Didn't have the law enforcement in you? I really, uh, I really thought I did. Uh, it was all I knew and uh, told myself many times that's what I was going to do. And uh, I guess some guidance from my dad said, just because it's all you know might, might not be a good thing. Maybe just branch out, see what else is out there first. And after, after seeing a different side of the world, I decided that maybe that wasn't for me. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, same thing with the military lineage, you know. Um, had an opportunity and appointment to the Naval Academy, but couldn't do what I really wanted to do, which was fly. You know, I couldn't see good enough. So, anyhow. Um, now, a little bit. So, where'd you go to school then? Yeah, so uh, after high school, went to UNC Charlotte. Um, thought I was going to be the next great uh, sports performance coach. Uh, studied fitness and uh, health. And uh, actually came back after college and started a started a gym started working with kids middle school high school kids that were training for sports want to get better at baseball want to get better at football and uh spent basically the next 10 years of my life uh dedicated to that and uh it was great had a had a wonderful experience had a wonderful gym wonderful clients um and uh, really was passionate about it enjoyed every minute of it but one day kind of woke up and realized that um, I had started a family, got married, had had two boys, and I was spending all my time with kids, but it wasn't my kids. Mm. And uh, so I started kind of putting some feelers out there. What 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 can I do that still allows me to maybe coach the t-ball team in the evenings and, uh, and um, you know, make dinner plans that I can keep rather than being at a gym till 10 p.m. at night? So, but that's that's still a passion? It it is a passion, and I've kind of found an outlet for that uh, in helping coach my kids' sports teams. It's yeah. kind of been a, a a branch, or at least a way to get some of that out of my system. All right, so you you broke it out there a little bit. Um, how old are the kids? Can we get into that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got two boys, Kai and Mac. Uh, they are eight and five. Kai, did you marry a Hawaiian? <laughs> no, but it does sound Hawaiian. That's where I went to high school, so that I'm allowed to say that and ask you that. Um, that's awesome. How old did you say again? Eight and five. Eight and five. Mm. Yeah, 14 and 17. I, I can relate. I miss eight and five, to be honest with you. Well, I, I think about that a lot. I think about, you know, right now, there's nothing they want to do other than throw the ball in the yard with Dad. But uh, the other day, I got this horrible uh, thought in my head. I was like, I've, I probably got like five years of this, and they're going to not want to throw the ball to me anymore. They're going to go see their buddies. Oh, yeah. So uh, we, we, we do it as much as we can. Yeah. No, it happens. But, you know, I think all of us in the parenting business realize that time will come. Yeah. Um, and just hope that the day will not come as soon as it needs to. Yeah. You know? At least the dogs still run to me when I walk in the house. <laughs> I've got that, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyhow. All right. So. So we're working in a gym. Yep. Doing well, successful. Oh, it was great. But we didn't have time. Yeah. It's it's something that I think a lot of us maybe don't realize until too late in life. Um, so it's it's encouraging and good to hear from someone like yourself that recognize that 
and the importance of that family time. Um, and I think that's one of the things that struck me when we first met. So, um, okay, so help me. Where, where does the transition happen? Yeah. Like, like are, are you in the yard one day, not wearing the appropriate pants, and the guy drives by and yells at you? And, <laughs> you know, like how, like, how does this happen? How do you go from a gym to, um, you know, xylem? Yeah, well, when I decided that I was at least interested in maybe switching careers, you know, the, usually you end up talking to your family and friends and saying, hey, I'm, I'm interested in this, interested in that, and had a brother-in-law who had – been in the tree business for a few years and I was talking about this with him he said have you ever thought about you know maybe selling tree work and uh the answer was abruptly no um but we started talking about it started talking about some of the parallels of what I was doing as far as you know a lot of the gym business was was working with people sales marketing the business uh, that type of thing there was a lot of parallels and then and then obviously a, a schedule that that fit what I wanted to do moving forward. So, uh, you know, I just took a chance and, and did some ride-alongs and kind of got to know what what my day-to-day life would be like. And could I could I do it, one? And uh, two, did I enjoy it? And uh, it actually ended up being a home run. I mean, it was absolutely perfect. Um, the transition was really smooth. Um, I kind of got my hands dirty for a few months to kind of just learn the ins and outs of the business and then progressed right into, you know, building relationships with clients. All right, so we're going to start right there. Got our hands dirty. Okay? Yeah. So, like, when I did fundraising before, I had a chance to work with, um, you know, CEOs of companies, et cetera. And one that I'll always remember is uh, Jim Kirkham, who had the uh, Budweiser distributorship down in Columbia, South Carolina. And, you know, I had talked to Jim just one day randomly about kind of what does it take to get into your role, you know, like, how do you get a Budweiser distributorship, et cetera? And he, he told me the story that, you know, you can work your way up for it, but essentially every employee starts by stocking the trucks and then driving the routes and then moving your way up. And so I remember I asked you that same question, like, so have you ever cut a tree? Have you had to do any of these things? And I think that was part of what that transition, was it not? Yeah, uh, I had some conversations. Every, everybody in the company knew I was being brought in to, to fill a sales role, but we kind of talked through it and just said, you know, to, to build some respect with the, with the team, to, to get a healthy level of respect for what's going on out there. It, it just wouldn't make sense to not spend some time out there in the field. And so uh, I was fortunate enough that, you know, they put me under the wing of some, some guys that really knew what they were doing, teach me some stuff. And, and, uh, you know, about, let's just say two months went by or so. And, uh, the guy I was working with looked at me and said, why are you still here? <laughs> nice. I don't think I was bringing a ton of value to the, uh, gotcha. to the crew. And, uh, he said, you should be selling stuff. Let's, let's, well, you're done with this. And, uh, and so I think, uh, that same day a neighbor walked up while we were out there and said, uh, said, could, could you look at this for me? And I, I said, yeah, I'll be over there in just a second. I came back. I said, I made my first sale. <laughs> we got to go do that. tree." <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So that was, that, was, that was the end of my work in the field. So that's your role then. This is So I kind of remember, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, right? Like, I think part of what I wanted to do here today was not only tell a unique story of, of Chase and a small business owner, essentially, even though you work for a large corporation, but I kind of view it as you've kind of got your own little unique business here that you get to kind of grow and build, and it's starting here in the Carolinas. So we're the lucky ones, right? Like, 
a lot of a lot of different corporations um, have their headquarters here and things of that nature. But like your company, like golf's not their specialty, right? Like that's not what y'all are in in business for at this point. Yeah. So or how you got here, I should say. Yeah. It's not it's not necessarily how we got here. Um, it, basically, two brothers, Randolph and Benjamin Hoover, in Norfolk, Virginia, um, grew Xylem to about twenty. 22 states, I believe now, uh, but their main focus was utility work, which is pruning uh, and maintaining right of ways for power companies, gas companies, uh, cities, municipalities, what what have you. But uh, they they approached myself and my business partner Charles about, um, you know, what what would it take to to really get a commercial and residential tree business off the ground in North Carolina, Charlotte, Greensboro, Raleigh markets, and uh, they empowered us to run with it they said tell us what you need and and uh and and go and so that's kind of that's that's kind of how it got here and and what we've done and one of the main areas we saw for growth as we started this thing was was the golf course industry and and some needs there for big and small projects so yeah in essence uh you know we're part of a bigger conglomerate but we've been empowered to kind of run with the business as we as we see fit here in here in uh the carolinas so um We've got listeners from, gosh, we always joke. We know we've got a couple in Australia, even one of our favorites who's moved to Scotland since from there. Um, we think we've got a couple bots in Russia that are still tracking us. Um, but there's a lot of unique markets, not just right here in the Carolinas, that, to give a listen. And so how about for those in the Carolinas, though, you're not limited to just like the the Charlotte Greensboro market, are you? No, we, we have flexibility, even though those are – I guess home base for us. Uh, we have flexibility and the ability to utilize utilize equipment and people throughout the Carolinas. I mean, and luckily being in Charlotte, if you look on a map, you're you're kind of in the middle. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so there's not a lot of things that aren't a, aren't a day trip for the most part. Uh, extreme coast, but uh, you know we we have people and the ability to uh, cover a wide area of the Carolinas and outside the Carolinas, honestly. But our focus is here. Okay. Um, you said the extreme coast. Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, yes, unfortunately, but fortunately, we get to market ourselves as from the mountains to the sea, regardless of each Carolina that you're in. And it's one of the reasons I love being here too, right? Um, but because of having the sea, we also have tragedy that comes with it in extremes. Um, hurricanes in particular that do a lot of damage and work. Um what do you say to guys like that are going to find themselves in those kind of situations? Um, you know, there's all kinds of different folks that are going to come out of the woodwork. There's, you know, maybe there's relationships that y'all have, like you got any advice pointers for folks that are going to go through something like that this summer or this fall potentially. Yeah. It's uh, it's obviously something that's difficult to plan for. Um, especially from a golf course perspective, you can't, you can't board things up. It, you're going to get what you get. And, um, you know, Previous experience has, has shown me that uh, despite what you think is a horrible tragedy, if you've got members, I've seen trees blocking fairways and greens, and the members are asking, can they get a tea time? You know, so it's uh, it, on one hand horrible, but also how, how can we get this golf course opened up Correct. quickly? And um, so there is there is a uh, an entire industry built around chasing storms, and uh, unfortunately – and fortunately, you know, those people can come from all over the place and you may or may not know who they are. You may or 
may or may not have a great relationship with them, but, um, you know, Would they have to be licensed in the state that they're doing business in per se. There's, is you, there a regulation on your side of the business, or is it just personal injury more so insurance that you need to be worried about? There are tons of licenses and um, insurance that go along with being in the tree world, but um, let's just say people manipulate that a little bit, okay. and and can you could be taken advantage of. Um, now, if you're taking on a big project like like disaster uh, recovery uh, it, on a golf course or wherever, you, you're going to hopefully not rush into something. But uh, a good a good company's going to come with a plan to not only um, work their way through the property, but also a way to manage the debris, a way to um, systematically maybe maybe we could get the front nine open and and then we'll progress from there. Maybe we can get you know, six holes going, and uh, where can we stage the debris? How can we contract out somebody to come through and just pick this up on a, on a daily basis so that even after the course is cleaned up, you're not left with a mess. And uh, I've seen it happen in a wonderful way. I've seen it happen in, in a poor way. But there's also a lot of mitigation that has to happen after everything's cleaned up. You know, you could suffer, you could suffer uh, a lot of tree stress that can lead to uh, an infestation of, of pine beetles or something takes over your takes over your trees. Now your trees are more vulnerable because of the stress from the from the storm. So you're probably looking at not just hey we're going to clean up for two weeks and it's going to be over, but probably a, a more of a long term relationship with that company to you know help me get through the next year of this um, because there's things we didn't see that happened. There's things that weren't necessarily on the ground but are still problematic, and and that in my opinion would be a a reason to at least identify somebody that's local enough that you can keep that relationship going. Yeah. yeah. Somebody, cause if they're that local, unfortunately they can only be in one or so many places. And you know, an area like Myrtle beach, it's got 81 golf courses in one County at this point, I think, you know, the impact can be, can be tragic. And also on top of that, there are times where you do have a great relationship with a, with a tree care provider and maybe they're just not outfitted to handle that scale of work. And, you know, we've had people call us in and say, can you help us out for the next two weeks? And, and you know, we, we keep communication up after that. But we don't expect, you, we don't expect to be married to them forever if, if the situation isn't there. But there's just a lot of companies that, that can't handle massive scale. Sure. And, uh, and a hurricane coming through your golf course is, any way you put it, is massive. Yeah, and we've had – We've had some courses just destroyed, like wild dunes in the 90s and things that you hear stories about. But, okay, aside from that, all right, let's get back to kind of the basics here. So here, showing my tree safety ignorance, right? Like pants, glasses, earplugs. You guys take it a step farther from what I understand. I mean, when we were talking the first time, you know, um, well, let's even go back from there. Why golf? Why you and golf? Like you're in Rescom. What what makes you go to golf? Yeah. Well, I I'd say for the last twenty years of my life or so, I've I've been a casual player, and um, being familiar with golf courses, enjoying the game. Uh, when when we would get a call to the office, hey, we're looking for some a quote on some tree work, and it was a golf course. I, was, I got that one. <laughs> I'm going to that one, and so it 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 was a natural it was a natural uh, jump for me, and then you know, really getting in the golf cart, riding around with the superintendent, taking a look at things, 
to me, that's that's as good as it gets because those are guys that understand kind of the same things I understand. We're managing people. We're managing equipment, equipment that's brand new, equipment that it, we got Band-Aids all over it, uh, just trying to get it through one more season. And so I, I feel like it's a group of people that we get along with, and uh, and I've, I've just enjoyed every project. It's, 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 it's seamless. Well, that was what hit me a couple of things when we first talked was the level of professionalism. And like you say, with this being an opportunity for you guys to, to build and to grow, it's all brand new equipment, right? Um, so there's a source of pride with that. But also you mentioned looking out for the people's property, right? Like if you got a board down or, you know, not tracking up the place, making sure that you're, you're not leaving marks behind. And then when even as far as to, you know, use an example of smokers on site, you know, if you do have a worker who does, it's not like they're leaving butts behind. They're going in a bottle. I mean, you want to get into that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I think for anybody that's ever encountered a, a, a crew who's working on trees, I mean this in the nicest way as possible. That they're usually not golfers. You know, they, they like being outside. Uh, they're, they're the kind of guys that – are willing to climb 80 foot up a tree. And there's, there's not a lot of those folks walking around. And at the end of the day, the last thing they want to do is go, is go play golf. It's just not their, it's not their thing. It's not their hobby. And so when we started taking on this golf course work, uh, I saw a need there that, you know, you could send a guy to a golf course and to do work. And it's the first time he's ever been on one. And so we, we took a step back, took some time to educate our guys on, you know, T-box, green, fairway, landing zones, cart paths. Here's what you need to know about irrigation, bunkers. And we wanted to make sure that when our guys were there, they had a full understanding of what areas demand protection, what areas um, do we need to set an expectation of of how we're going to approach it, how we're going to do the work. And that goes putting down mats. That's respecting the property. A lot of times we do work on a golf course, and the golf, the golf course is open. Um, you know, so we cone off an area, but who's to say somebody doesn't hit a golf ball over there? You know, if a Pro V1 work, rolls into a work zone, I know a lot of guys that are willing to go get that golf ball. <laughs> and uh, Is that time for the uh... – <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, we've got guys standing on the ground. Their sole, their sole job might be to just be on the lookout, make sure nobody wanders into an area they shouldn't be in. Can we pause work for a second, let these guys get by us so that it's a safe situation? So we try – you alluded to the equipment. You know, we try to have nice stuff out there so that um, as members do go by, as players go by, you know, they, they see that, that their course has has done the work of hiring a company that's respectable, that that uh, is going to do the work the right way, safely. And from a, from a safety standpoint, you know, it's a little bit more than pants – and glasses. Um, our guys wear hard hats. Our guys wear reflective clothing. Our guys wear chaps when they're running a saw. If they're in that bucket truck, they've got a uh, they've got a harness on. Um, there's a lot of precaution that goes around the work, and uh, it's not just to be for our guys. It's it's protecting you know people around you that that could just be a homeowner that butts up to the golf course or or or, or a group playing through. So let me ask you this: Is it better for you? Like you made a comment, I remember too about riding with a superintendent. You know, and the difference between your perspective and theirs. Like they're always looking down because that's the surface they manage, and you're always looking up because that's what you manage for the most part, right? Yeah. Um, is there a difference in a golf course superintendent that is 
I'll even say like me. I'm going to go with about completely tree ignorant, but not completely tree ignorant versus a certified arborist who's also a golf course superintendent. Like, is there a difference for you? Is the one better than the other or is it? You're just vibing off each other regardless. Yeah, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a major difference in my experience other than um I, I do approach it slightly different because some superintendents tell you, Hey, what kind of tree is this? You know, yeah. you know, I we'll we'll get that kind of question and um there I know, hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the antennas up just a little bit more. Maybe maybe this is somebody who's got a little bit less experience in the tree world, uh, versus you it know, needs help. And it needs somebody to consult, I dare say, or share an opinion. Sure, and is will, and is willing to ask, which is important. And uh, versus somebody who's been in the game for a long time, they've 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 seen it all. And uh, a lot of times, you you learn that through something that you missed. You know, uh, we we didn't notice that tree on twelve until it until the top busted out of it. You know, um, but riding with a superintendent. A lot of times they'll say, hey, I got a tree over here. I want you to go look at it. Tell me what you think. It, it's scaring me a little bit. And on the way there, I'll be like, you need to worry about this one, bud. This this one, this one, is the one that's crazy. I, I didn't even see that. Gotcha. I, I never even saw it. And uh, I understand because, you know, the the money's in the grass. That's that's where it's at. And so looking down, I don't blame them one bit. And I'm, I'm glad to help with the other parts. But, uh, yeah, I, I, would say, I would say about 90% of the time they're walking around the head's down. Yeah. And and uh, and for me, it's the opposite. So uh, I'm I'm willing to help, but it for me, I just want to know, you know, kind of the superintendent's background. How how comfortable are you with this stuff, or do I need do I really need to be on alert at all times? Well, like, okay, so you you say ride around with a superintendent. Like, how do you get to that point? Is that during a quote or is that you have different levels of service where, you know, Hey, you got a guy on a regular, you're going by and you're seeing on a monthly, you know, and you're just reviewing work with them. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how that works. Explain that to me and maybe some of the other listeners. Is it a one-off or is it a monthly thing, an annual thing, or, or is it all the above? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of different levels. Uh, there, there are certain courses that we've worked with for years and I know what their budget is for tree work and, Really, all we're doing is riding around and putting numbers on a piece of paper so we can best allocate that budget and, and get their money's worth. We have other courses that they don't even have a tree budget, and it's, um, you know, work. But they need help. But they need help. And it's like, what are the priority things that you can identify that I could go to the committee with, that I can go to my GM with, that we can say, hey, this this really needs to happen because it's a, it's a liability or um, we could be facing – Massive problems in the future if we ignore it now, things like that. So there are relationships like that where it's it's ongoing, and there there are certain situations where we'll just get a call and say, "Hey, I saw you did work for, uh, you know, one of my buddies over at that course, and you know, I need some help with this problem area we have, you know, behind the green." And uh, maybe they maybe they have a massive budget. Maybe we build that relationship from there, and we and we can kind of track a management program where we visit every so often and. And keep it rolling. Or sometimes it's, hey, you know, they told me we got this problem and we've got this much amount of money to solve it. How can we solve it? And and we go from there. But, you know, there's a lot of benefit to a more long-term strategy because the trees, trees can make or break a golf course, in my opinion. And, you know, the management of those uh, over time, if it's ignored, then 
one day you wake up and you've got a hundred thousand dollars worth of tree work to do. And, and it could have been mitigated, you know, with a, with a strategy that says, Hey, let's, let's approach this, this quarter next year, we'll approach this portion of it. I think, I think it's a long-term strategy is, is best, but you get in situations where maybe a new superintendent comes in and the old one, it wasn't their thing. And they didn't have a guy they trusted, so they just kind of didn't mess with it. Or they're renovating, and they need removal for shade purposes, for it, different growth areas. That, that's a, a ton of what we've done lately has been uh, folks replacing greens and, and putting in Bermuda greens and changing from bent, and now they've got, they're going to face massive shade issues. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those are big projects that, you know, we may be looking at today, and, and nothing might happen for two years. Correct. You know, uh, th- there's a lot of argument that happens between uh, now and then. So, Will well, your quote change if you quote someone today and don't do the work until 2025? <laughs> I think it might. I put you on the spot there. I think we need to be versatile with how we uh Do you have an asterisk numbers? at the bottom of your quote line? <laughs> we, uh, I, tr- I try to be as reasonable as possible and tell, tell folks that when, when I give you a price, I like to give you the price that's the most it's going to be. Yeah. And if if we can agree on something, we agree on a timeline, we agree on an amount of work, you know, maybe we can figure out a way to to bring the cost down. Because the last thing you want is superintendent going and asking for a certain amount of money. And then in two months they agree on it and I say, well, it's going to be a little bit more than we said. Because yeah. Yeah, now they got to go back in there and they're, they're embarrassed. It's a problem. Everybody's mad. So I, I, want, them, I want them to look like a superhero. They, they say, I need, I need that 20000 for that project. And then they come back and say, "Hey, we finished that project, and and we came in four grand under." Yeah, you know now they now they look like a hero. Well, and I think that's you know business partnerships growing together, win win. It all kind of cycles in there, right? And I think that's you know we try and do that with our budgets. You know, I think you you budget high on the expense side and low on the income side, and then when you beat either one, you're giving yourself a better opportunity to have a good year. Yeah, you know, um, so that just that that. From a business standpoint, that makes a lot of sense to me. So, um, so are you the only sales guy in golf per se for Xylem, or are there others that would be around the Carolinas? There, there's other folks that are involved, but I would say in, on most of the projects, I would be the lead contact. Okay, um, but we have other project managers who, who you know, on bigger projects. You, if you're talking about a course renovation or something, you know, we want a bunch of we want a bunch of eyes on a project. So there's going to be sure, sure, but from a selling standpoint, from a selling standpoint, I would probably I, I would say that 99 percent are going to go through me. Okay, yeah. Well, and I think you know that's another one of the reasons that we, as an association, um, really pride ourselves on having our own trade show. Right, um, a company like yourself finds value in coming to our show. I would hope, like you're there last year, right? Yeah, first time. I'd been uh, a couple years back. And then this was the first time that I was kind of the lead on, on the setup. So I kind of, this is my first year driving the bus, I guess. Well, and we appreciate that support, but I also hope that, you know, things like this can lead to further conversations. You know, the more that folks get to know each other and in the industry, this is like, it's a people business. It's all about relationships, but you know, I think you've already kind of figured that out on the local level a little bit. Um, you're involved with the North South, if I'm not mistaken, sponsored events there because you're in the Charlotte market, right? Correct. North South as well as the Piedmont Association. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's the beauty of the Carolinas is that one, we've got a conference and trade show where you can go meet people outside of that region, and two, there's two regional associations right there that you can be involved with and get to know people. Yeah. And then I think just like anything else in business, you know, your work speaks for itself. Um, 
you know, and if you want to get somebody's business, you got to, there's many different things as we've discussed a few here today, yeah. you know, but, um, you got to set yourself apart. Yeah. You, know? you got to be better than the rest. It's just, just like anything else in America. Um, well, let me ask you this. What are some questions that superintendents should be thinking about when it comes to tree work? Like, what are some things they should be asking you? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, First things first is when can you do the work because you want to hire somebody that can be flexible with with the course's schedule. You don't want somebody that says, you know, I can only do I can only do it on Friday. You know, you don't want to you don't want to be there when the course is loaded down, uh, when there's tea tea times from you know sun up to sundown. What if it's raining? That's actually an incredible opportunity to get certain things done, depending on if, ah. if, if it's work uh, off of a cart path or near near some type of parking area. There's a lot of stuff around a clubhouse that we do that can be done in, in a lot of variety of weather conditions because it's going to be a slow day. But I would say we try to highlight either early in the weeks or certain courses that are closed on, on Mondays or early in the week. You know, can we be flexible enough? Can the can your provider be flexible enough to be there on a, on a day that – is slow for you guys. Um, or if there's going to be a window where you're closed for certain work, you know, I've got to have you here during that window, no matter what. Maybe if it's raining, we're coming anyway, you know. So that's that's number one. When, when, when can you do the work? And two, I think it's important that because most of these interactions go through the superintendent, no matter who drives the uh, request for the work. Sometimes it's the superintendent because of shade or they've noticed an issue. Sometimes it's uh, members that are driving uh, what they want done on the course. It could be somebody uh, in a committee or, or a manager that, that's brought it up. But either way, the superintendent is going to be the person that rides the course, points out what needs done, or or gathers the quotes. I think it's important that the quote provided and the information provided is something that that superintendent can turn around and easily prevent, uh, present to whomever's going to be the final decision maker. Sometimes it's superintendent, sometimes it's a committee, who knows? But it's very difficult to take a committee out there and show them the tree work on the course as opposed to, hey, this is the proposal we've been given. Here's pictures of the tree. Here's what they're going to do. Here's how they're going to do it, and here's what it's going to cost. And that that clears up a lot of questions before they even get asked. So, one, when's it going to happen? And, two, how are we going to take the information that me and you are talking about here side by side, looking at the tree and, and present it to the folks that might make the final decision? Okay. Yeah. So I think those two are the biggest. And third is where you get into some liability issues and, and things, and that's making sure that the people you hire are qualified to be there. So is it a company that's licensed, bonded, and insured? Is it if, if there's power lines on the golf course, are these have these employees been trained? Have these employees been trained and certified to be around those areas? Um, you know, a lot of times you can have a really good relationship with with a with a provider, but sometimes that work can get to a point where it's it's not something they can safely do anymore. So, I think making sure whoever you hire is qualified, making sure that they communicate well, and that they're gonna you know stand behind what they do, whether from if something did go wrong from an insurance standpoint, or if. Uh, or, or just, you know, be there because they're an accredited company that follows uh, standards and practices that are prominent throughout the industry. Yeah, I'll tell you, that's kind of one of the things that scares me the most, even in this conversation. I'd mentioned to you that um, we've we've lost a couple members, and um, 
some members have lost crew members over the last six, seven years that I can attest to. Um, some that have been, you know, close to us that we've known the family, um, et cetera. And so it's a challenging spot, right? Superintendents are always juggling. Uh, I wouldn't say ethics, but um, it's not the right word, but the balance between a budget and doing things in-house versus outsourcing them and, you know, accidents happen. It's going to happen in any industry, right? But if it's something that you can bring in a professional team, such as tree work, I mean, I think that's just an awareness thing. I think that's one of the things that why I wanted to have you on today is to let people know that, you know, there's multiple ways that this can be accomplished. Certainly. And when it, when it comes to handling things on your own, I, I understand completely why folks do it. I understand completely that a lot of times you have employees that may have a background uh, and have been around tree work before and are more than qualified, and that's great. What you don't want to get into a situation is, hey, we, we don't have the money. Is there any way we can figure out how to do this on our own? And that's when it kind of gets sketchy. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, we'll be riding a course and, and somebody will say, I think, I think we're going to handle that tree. And – in-house and I'm gonna hire you guys for these two and, I, and I'll start talking about some of the risks that are involved in the one that they plan to handle and they say you know what go ahead and quote that one too I, I I think after hearing what you said let's let's maybe let you guys handle that one as well and I, I'm not trying to just come up with reasons to have them spend money but there, there are there are things that make things dangerous that you don't see unless you've seen it yeah so uh, it's it's terrible it's terrible that you know we've in essence, found that out through some tragic incidents, but you, you do try to just learn from it. It is. It's tough. I remember, you know, in any business class when you got into the conversations about the cost of human life, it, you know, it doesn't make sense to you when you're 18 or 19 trying to learn these concepts. But then you get out here in the real world and there isn't a cost associated on any line item of any budget, you know, that could equate to that. Right. And so those make the tough decisions. But, um, well, what have we forgotten about? Anything regarding you, Xylem, anything you want to tell the world? Yeah. Um, most importantly, you know, I think that, that the, the bulk of my business and the bulk of what we do with, from a golf course standpoint is, is built on longer-term relationships and, and trying to become somebody that you can give a call to if you see a limb just hanging over something that you're worried about or, hey, we're replacing the greens and we got to tackle a major project. So – I think that I think a, a relationship that that you're comfortable texting somebody at 5:30 a.m. That's a, that's a that's a relationship that's going to grow. And and unfortunately, my phone does ding at 5:30 a.m. sometimes when I, a superintendent will say, "Hey, I know you are supposed to come out today, but we got an inch of rain, and we're going well, this isn't going to work." <laughs> I think you had one from a guy I was on the phone with um, when we left our last meeting, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, I just happened to bump into a guy who's having you out later that evening, a little later than expected, but we won't get into any names now, unless you want to give a plug to some guys that you've been working with for a while, you know, as references or anything along those lines. Well, they're, they're, I, when you think about a, a relationship and, and guys that have made it easy to work with and, and, uh, and I've had a, a really good time getting to know, uh, Will Lane at, uh, Pine Lake okay. is, uh, is a great one. He's going through a, a renovation now, the early parts of a renovation, and, and we've kind of worked hand-in-hand hand over the past probably six months now. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's somebody who uh, has given a lot of thought to, you know, what can we handle? What do I need to 
hire these guys for and a, a real systematic and smart approach to going through what's, I'm sure, a stressful renovation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also um, Kevin at Cabarrus Country Club. He's, uh, he's, he's been one of our champions for a long, long time and uh, has always stood up for us and been willing to tell another superintendent that, hey, give these guys a shot. They do great work or, or just uh, come up and shake your hand at a, at a meeting or at Myrtle Beach. So, How do you say it? Lutz or Lutz? I like Lutz. I think that's the correct way. <laughs> I think it took me 10 years to finally get corrected on it. He's such a good guy. Oh, he's great. He's great. So, yeah, th- those are two guys who who uh, I think are doing it really the right way with uh, facing a, a completely different things, you know. Was there anything else that we're missing? Because I think we're running up on our normal time end window here. I just want to make sure I do have one last question for you. Well, let's do it. What's the first tree you ever cut down? And what type was it? This is a this is a very uh, unsafe answer, but my grandfather and uncle had a Christmas tree farm when I was young, and so my first experience in the tree world was Christmas trees. And so the first trees I ever put a saw to were Fraser firs, and I was probably. About 10. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, unsafely 10 years old with a chainsaw. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, Chase, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Um, anybody, if you need to, you can reach out to Chase. Um, tell him where to find you. Yeah, so most of our golf course work comes through our Charlotte office. I'm available at charlotte at xylemtree.com. Uh, that's our email address. All that comes to me. Uh, charlotte at xylemtree.com would be a great way to reach out. Thank you now.